This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and today I'm joined by Erica. Thank you for having me. And Jared. Still here. Still here, still back, better than ever. Um, and tonight, our featured film this month is Evil Dead Rise. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but why don't we just get right into the other films that we've seen. Um, it's, we're kind of keeping that spooky theme a little bit. I mean, a little bit. So let's just keep that rolling with yeah. uh, the new Ari Aster film, Bo is Afraid. So, um, yeah, I, I'll start off by saying I love Ari Aster's previous films, Hereditary and Midsommar, uh, Midsummer, however you say that. Um, Did I ever tell you that I watched a, 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 a Q&A with him? Did he pronounce it differently he throughout the He pronounced it interview? both ways. ways. Yeah. I was like, I'm finally going to hear the proper Aster, pronunciation of, no help to the audience of, yes. of this. Because I and hear not only it both ways. Re- the readings of his movies, but mere pronunciation. And he yeah, called it yeah. both Midsommar and Midsummer <laughs> during the Q&A. I was not very happy that with is, it. I also funny. went to it on Easter, which was a really interesting wow, day yeah. to last. Not this most recent, I think but I, the one before. I, yeah, at Alamo. I think I was at a different day than you went, but I I did go to one of their brunch events. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did the witch at at eleven p.m. and then we got up the next morning and had brunch <laughs> with Midsummer. It was a very uh, pagan Easter, is what it yeah, was. But so anyway, okay. back to Bo is afraid. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I loved uh, Ari Aster's previous two films. It looked clear from the trailer that this was going to be rather different from the other two although all of his movie trailers have been at least somewhat deceptive about the content or the overall tone of the film um that's like at least somewhat true here too um and i have to also say it does share some themes with other movies we'll be discussing here in terms of um the devastating effects of being in a relationship with a narcissist is one of the themes and also Hmm. mommy issues being another big theme consistent yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of other themes going on with this film as well. Um, I, I think Bo is Afraid is like an absurdist black comedy that feels very much in the vein of Franz Kafka's The Trial, which is a novel I love, by the way, but through the lens of Freudian psychology. Unfortunately, it also has a three-hour-long runtime and like, has so many seemingly pointless, meandering, like, little side plots that never... really resolve in a satisfying way that also feels a lot like Lawrence Stern's novel Tristam Shandy, which is a novel I absolutely despise. Okay. Like just complete shaggy dog story. So I I have very mixed feelings about this movie. Um, So like, and and also I kind of had some problems with the ending. Like I, I get the symbolism of the ending, or at least I think I do. Um, and it, it gives you some like food for thought, but if you're going to have a three hour long runtime, you kind of need an ending that's really satisfying. It feels like yeah. it's a payoff, but the ending feels like more of the same, uh, weirdness that you already sat through for three hours and it's mm-hmm. doesn't feel like the character was really developed more that it had a satisfying resolution in my opinion, um, also, I went to this with my best friend, and he, he like, like he says that this film completely beats you over the head with the Freudian symbolism, 
which I would agree with. And also he said that um, movies like Brazil and Psycho were much more subtle in their um, portrayal of like overbearing moms and the effect that overbearing Psycho moms. like at the like yeah. Mount Rushmore of them all. Yes. Yeah. So th- those movies are much more understated compared to this movie. Well, we'll put it that way. So there's not a lot of positive going on here. I I actually I mean I would recommend seeing it. Um, I will watch it again at some point, but sitting in those dream loungers at Marcus theaters like kills my spine every time if it's longer <laughs> than 90 minutes. So a th- three hour long film is just do you do like, the full recline ugh. or are you upright as much as you can? Like what's your um, position in those? Dream I usually loungers? do the recline, but I end up like in like after the 90 minute point I'm in pain. So I'm like moving mm. constantly mm. and nothing feels good. So it's like, eh, I haven't figured out a way to hack that. But I mean, there, there's a lot good to say about it. Like, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is like phenomenal actor in this role. I I don't know of many other actors who could have sold this character as well and portrayed him as well. Um, I'd say like all the performances are are great. There's this like just bizarre dark humor throughout the whole thing with really unexpected, shocking in some you know at some points moments that I'll definitely remember and think about for a long time. <laughs> and I'm not going to spoil them, of course. Um, like Ari, like where on the level of Ari Aster are we talking about with shocking? I mean, not... Um, like telephone pole shocking, like finishing hammer sh- shocking. Spontaneous combustion shocking. <laughs> well, I there, there were some moments like maybe equally sur- surprising as the okay. telephone pole scene, but not mm. as emotionally devastating. Like well. they like suck the breath out of the audience, but then you'd hear people just laugh because it was okay. unexpected, but it was also funny. Whereas that scene in hereditary was not funny and it mm. like just yeah, spoiled the mood of the audience. Funny, uh, There's something wrong. You have something you, you need to um, address. But. Yeah. And, and another thing I liked about it is like, well, this, this was his like biggest budget film, I mm-hmm. believe. It sounds like A twenty four kind of yeah, just thirty five million dollars creative which... license to do whatever he wanted with that budget, and every like scene, used it. every scene has so much detail. There's always something like weird, funny, or like alarming and appalling going on in the background. Uh, uh, like sometimes okay. behind Bo's shoulder, where he's not aware of something going on behind him, but it's something the audience will mm. notice mm-hmm. and you're like, what, what, what's going on there? So then you're like waiting for that thing in the background to be explained. And sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. So there's some good visual, like dramatic irony happening. And sometimes... yeah, like, so some, of, some of this movie also reminds me if I'm, since I'm going with um, literary comparisons because I don't yeah, want to give away a lot of like good takes on uh, both novels and movies. Here. <laughs> right. So yeah. It's it's great. I, I would this also say like, it's a very learned podcast. <laughs> I, I would also say catch 22 or like okay. early in that book, there's like a um, particular, um, like throwaway line like I it's been a while since I read the book but like a general who like lost his eye you think oh he must have lost it in combat several chapters later then they do a follow-up he lost his eye because he was at a parade of some country that was invaded and some peasant threw a rose at him and the thorn on that rose stem took his eye out okay so then it's like okay so then there's like oh okay that's not what I expected. And then mm-hmm. chapters after that, then they meet the old peasant who's this hundred year old man. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
I aimed and I hit him right in the eye. <laughs> so it's like you may get the punchline eventually, okay. but it will take a long time wow. to okay. build up to it. <laughs> I can get on board with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jake, don't discount the rest of this podcast. I mean, I think we're all going to be giving our takes on you know the Necronomicon versus oh, for sure. you know, the Evil Dead That's franchise true. in general. So oh, we're going to dive real. There's going to be that. a lot of literary discussion here tonight. <laughs> That's my favorite book, the Necronomicon. I know it's it's it is like sort my favorite of my, record my second too. Bible. And yeah, so it doesn't. (laughs) So Bo is afraid you don't feel it earns the three hour runtime. Uh, but the way it wraps up, I would have been happier if it had been cut down to more like two hours, even two and a half hours. Sure, three hours is like, yeah, for it to be that long, it just. I just feel like the indie needed to be. You start to lose people. We just, right? I just feel like you know, and I've never want any, uh, you know, filmmaker, especially an artist, and you know, put. Ari Aster certainly in that classification to feel impeded by any sort of a runtime. You know, mm-hmm. I want them to be able to express. But yeah, personally, we've been running this gauntlet, or at least I have, of three hour plus yeah. movies or mm-hmm. hinging on that mm-hmm. lately where I'm just like, man, time is finite. And, and, and uh, they don't give you intermissions anymore, like at least back yeah. in the day, Gone with the Wind or something like that. I You'd remember seeing Dances with Wolves as a kid. Why? Because my parents wanted to, and that intermission happened. <laughs> The only thing that really upset me was realizing an intermission did not mean the movie was over. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I think the most recent one I've seen that had an intermission was Hateful Eight. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's the that's the last movie I know that was like three hours long that actually had an intermission. Yeah. So while- I appreciate that, really. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm going to check out Bo's Afraid because I'm a big fan of mm-hmm. Hereditary and Midsommar as we've uh, talked about it already. But yeah, I'm like that's that's got to be safer at home, you know, my mm-hmm. time, yeah. sort of a thing. The the thing it's been it's been very interesting, like looking into this movie. I have not seen the film yet, so I can't speak to it. But from the way that it's being responded, like the people who have who've seen it, and just the body of work, it almost kind of gives me Magnolia vibes. I love where, Magnolia. Where I can't, it's, I can't deny it. Well, <laughs> where I'm saying is like. Not the movie necessarily, but also a little bit. But it's like Paul Thomas Anderson is doing these things where he's kind of making these really. He, he had made Boogie Nights and he had all this acclaim, and so he yeah, kind of just that was, did that was his what third he film wanted as well to too. do, and he went ambitious, and he had all these different different moving parts, and it didn't work for some people, but some people love it, mm-hmm. and I think that you're probably going to see that with Bo is Afraid because, like I said, haven't seen the movie, but just the trailer is ridiculous and yeah, i've avoided the trailer but i've seen uh, a lot of the images and the imagery has I, certainly the some, palette there's definitely some for. great imagery and there's this whole 20 minute sequence where he's so immersed in watching this play that he sees himself as the main character of that play and then they project him into this like oh interesting stage okay. setting which okay. you see that in the trailer a bit with this very artificial cartoonish background but it, that's a gorgeous sequence yeah. But it's like a 20-minute like weird sidetrack thing that kind of fits the theme of the movie, but then doesn't necessarily lead anywhere concrete. Other than it gives you insight into the character's hang-ups about sex, which his mom kind of imparted <laughs> on him um, through telling him a certain story that I won't get into. But we yeah, can leave yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll leave that so, as a, a surprise for viewers. You, you also uh, gave major props to Joaquin Phoenix. Is it too early to call this like the year of Joaquin Phoenix, knowing that uh, he's going to ride into s- s- cinemas or at least people with an I mean, Apple Plus account be. with Napole- Ridley Scott's Napoleon, Napoleon later this year. Yeah. I feel like his performance in this is Oscar worthy. 
Um, okay. I'm, the film itself is just so weird and quirky. I don't know if it will get nominations necessarily. It's, uh, it's very, I don't know. Academy does not it, like horror like performances. Movies like this, yeah. And I wouldn't even say it, this is horror. It's it's a very dark comedy. I, I'm also interested, a lot of the cast is like comedy and like Broadway. Nathan Lane's in there, right? Nathan Parker Lane. Posey has Parker an Posey has Parker Posey, Amy Ryan. Yeah. Um, I mean, Richard Kind. It's a lot of people that are like pretty light in general. Mm-hmm. I retract so, my previous description of it as being horror now based on the yeah, cast list being read to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. It, it, I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't say it, it's horror. It is a black comedy, but mm-hmm. um, doesn't it, it's it doesn't really have the the tropes and the vibe of okay. horror films. So. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and this is still in theaters. It could probably use. I mean, you don't want to watch it in the in the I theaters again. I won't watch it in the theater but... again because of those darn dream loungers. I will watch it again on streaming or when it hits uh, Blu-ray. Rent it on Amazon or something like yeah. that because it currently has made five point seven million dollars. Oh, yeah. It had a budget of what thirty five. Like thirty five. Yeah, million. yeah. So... I mean, up until everything, everywhere, all at once last year, I believe. That Hereditary was a twenty fours, if not the highest, one of the highest grossing films it had. So certainly giving, you know, Ari Aster his uh, his latitude to kind of do mm-hmm. what yeah. he wants. I, I would say this is similarly like zany and unpredictable as everything, everywhere, at all at once. But it's not heartwarming. It's like <laughs> I've heard this described as like um, Lord of the Rings style epic for people with anxiety disorders. Okay. Um, and, and that's uh, yeah, quite the description. There's a subgenre. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose you could also make some comparisons to like Joseph Campbell's Heroes Journey kind of thing, or okay. um, uh, but in like Freud's whole like Return to the Womb kind of concept. Imagine like Odysseus, you know, coming home, but it's his mom's womb kind of thing. Kind of reminds me of Only God um, Forgives. Did you ever see? I Only have God seen Forgives? that, and I when oh, I saw certain scenes in this film, I did think of bit about okay. that different like in this one it's more symbolic he's not really doing what the character yeah, 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 yeah. the other film does but uh this winding ref but yeah that was a whole mommy issue movie oh, gosh. Too. and i'm playing who plays ryan gosling's mom in that movie oh. english patient i, I know who you mean i can't i'm blanking that's why we have the internet i know i'm gonna be looking it up yeah uh, yeah but you know uh as far as topics go for our after dark maybe with the fact that lincoln is dominated by marcus theaters only yeah is a mm-hmm. larger issue to dive into. Yeah. Uh, Kristen I, Scott Thomas. There we are. Yeah, okay. Kristen Scott Thomas. I have, yeah. I have thought that for a while. I was like, yeah, I wish we had an Alamo in Lincoln. I, I think there's a reason really for that. I think, there's a, <laughs> I think there's a, you can't have theaters within a certain mileage. But really? that's all speculation. Uh, Marcus, we are a lowly, uh, <laughs> don't come after us. Um, Greg Marcus, he appears friendly in those terrible ads I at the beginning. But that, man, that man will hunt you down in a dark alley and every, kill you. Yeah, every time I, 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 I go, allegedly. my dad on the screen. Allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> right. The one that I hate is the one where he's got his legs Going in a different it reminds direction. me of Wishmaster too, oh where the gosh. prisoner asks the gin for his lawyer to go <laughs> f himself, and yeah, it's it's very similar. We to need that. to move on. <laughs> we're, we're devolving. <laughs> um, let's let's shift gears a little bit. Something uh, lighter, how about? So, yeah, <laughs> something light is. 
air. <laughs> Boo. Uh, folks. Jared, you're going to talk about the new Ben Affleck film, Air. Yes. Um, you know, to quote just a very brief snarky spin on it, I put on Letterboxd. And actually, it's not that sorry because I kind of mean it. It's the best episode of I Love the 80s so far. <laughs> All right. And I kid you not, you watch this movie, which it'll be on Prime, you know, in a handful of months. They've got a window um, since it was produced by them. But the first two minutes, it's an extremely well executed montage of the 80s. <laughs> Soundtrack, images, everything pop culture. It's 80s, got to have a montage. Uh yeah, I mean th- and that's just it. It's it's right there for you and it is doing its thing to set up the time and place. And yeah, you're like, man, yeah, I guess VH1 hadn't <laughs> quite mined everything out of that decade yet cuz here we are. Um but you know what? This and it, as I say, you know, it's my favorite episode of that in more ways than one because you know, just a little bit about me. I was a huge fan of the Last Dance documentary, all about uh, Chicago Bulls, specifically Michael Jordan. Like that was my time as a kid. MJ was and still is the goat for me. I was so into like the NBA Finals as a kid. I'd have TNT on in one room, <laughs> ABC on the other. I would be watching playoff games throughout the house. Just to you know, see the competition that would be laid waste to by MJ and the Bulls. So, yeah, this movie in a lot of ways was kind of catnip for me. <laughs> and you know what? It's it's really well done. It is very enjoyable. Um, the slickness, the patina to it, with the overall eightiesness of it, it goes down pretty well. But it also left a little bit of a bad taste in my mm, mouth just same. because it hits you over the head a bit too much with mm-hmm. it. Um, there are a lot of transitions from scene to scene, not just like with soundtrack, like, hey, let's cue up the next you know jukebox hit that mm-hmm. everybody's going to love listening to. But they've got these like insert transition shots of like, say we're at a gas station, you see like insert shot of like a slushy being filled, you know, but it's, it's kind of like a little bit out of context other than like, of course that happens there, but you know, those hands and other things within the story, you don't necessarily get why we're seeing it other than to remind us it's the eighties mm-hmm. later on going back to, you know, an office building, we're seeing a lot of, you know, employees doing their thing, but there's like a random insert shot of like hands shuffling a handful of trivial pursuit cards. Again, just because, you know, it's the 80s. Yeah. And okay. hey, remember Trivial Pursuit. So it's like things it's like that that just like it calls attention to itself for maybe the wrong reasons. Um, but aside from that, it, it's really well written and it keeps you pretty well invested because, I mean, this movie is basically a movie about meetings, like hmm. meetings like one-on-one board meetings, like big client meetings, presentations, proposals, behind the scenes, uh, behind the door, closed door type meetings. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's all like done and performed like really, really dang well. And uh, so, you know, for the most part, yeah, it's a little weird that you're like rooting for Nike in this movie because they are the underdog apparently. You know, it it does a great job of setting up kind of like the hierarchy of, you know, clothing brands and the view athletes have of each one, you know, Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, Adidas, Converse, Nike and all of that. But uh, yeah, it's it's still uh, 
it still works. And, you know, I think audiences are responding. Granted, yeah, maybe it's not going to do like Argo level of success for Ben Affleck and Amazon Prime, like I'm sure they're hoping, but people who see it are liking it. I certainly liked it. There's a, yeah, there's also, you know, the fact, uh, the matter is, is like, and Affleck has been very open about this. Michael Jordan was involved. Like he had a conversation with him and like went to him with this project Mm -hmm. to make sure it kind of had his Mm -hmm. blessing. But he also understood, you know what, nobody else can be Michael Jordan in a movie. That would call too much attention to itself. That would pull people out of a movie. So there is an actor in there as Michael Jordan, but it's always, you know, out of focus or from behind. Okay. Things like that. So it handles it. Not that MJ is absent uh, from it because, again, as I said – the 80s-ness is all over this. They're pulling tons of like archival footage. And the same goes for MJ in his playing days. As they like kind of like talk about how aspirational they want to be as a company and the potential they see in Michael, there are a lot of, I don't know how else you would call it other than like foreshadowing, flash forwards, mm, showing, okay. showing him in his career, things happening. A lot of that lands, but there's also some, I don't know, that left me a little uneasy, especially talking about like the challenges the hardships he's going to face in the public eye because, you know, um, it, it, it just like shows news footage of his dad, like when his dad was murdered yeah, and things like that. And you're like reminded like, oh man, yeah, he's going to go through that. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so in this movie about a shoe company, <laughs> courting a legend as its <laughs> subtitle or tagline goes, some of it, some of it hits a little weird, but more so than not, it goes down pretty pretty well and yeah I'd, I'd say yeah you know the theme is pretty easy as far as like game changers go yeah you know the if you know anything about the endorsement deal prior to this movie that Michael Jordan signed with Nike it's a game changer if not this movie will tell you exactly why it is mm-hmm. Michael Jordan himself obviously changed the game Matt Damon's character of Sonny Vaccaro <coughs> also apparently changed uh, the game as far as like high school recruitment goes which I didn't even know anything about that, but they talk about it. And then, uh, you know, this wasn't kind of like his last hurrah either because he was a huge a postscript uh, informs you that he was a huge figure in getting college athletes uh, to get paid for like their uh, image and likeness oh. and things like that. So as a very like, contemporary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to this movie to like, to know, to be informed about. But um yeah, depending on your love of the '80s, it'll uh, go down a little differently. Yeah, I was I was pretty cynical, I would say, about when I saw this movie was getting made. I was like, "Really, we're gonna make a movie about the tennis shoes? Like, is this right. really something that warrants?" But then yeah. once I started to see, like, I I figured that since Ben Affleck has had a pretty decent track record with the movies that he's directed mm-hmm. that it probably had some backing to it that I you could probably rely on or like you could be like okay this is probably going to be good to a certain extent because I don't know has Ben Affleck made a bad directorial movie? I mean uh, Live by Night. Oh he did direct <clears throat> Live by Night didn't he? Yeah okay. that was his uh, I believe his last outing which oh, especially wow. coming from like a Dennis Lehane novel which 
hits more often than not. Yeah. But did not uh, did not really land. Actually, speaking of like the fact that this is all kind of like revolved around revolving around a shoe company and a specific shoe, mm-hmm. that also was a game changer because of what at the time were the NBA's strict guidelines for how shoes could yes. be. Yes. So yeah, there's more to that theme to chew on too if you really want to. Yeah. Was this something that you thought was interesting? Not from the trailer. Like, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, I don't want to watch a movie about a shoe. (laughs) That was, yeah, totally my reaction. But it's it's good to hear there's more to it than that. Is this this getting buzz at all? Like, award Hmm. buzz? I don't – I'm trying to think, you know, what Michael Jordan's one request to Ben Affleck uh, when they talked about it was, like, who would play his mom – and Michael Jordan said, "There's nobody else that can play her except Viola Davis." Oh, okay. Not That's that good thing that she decided yeah, to sign yes, on. Then, did. Uh, and also interesting fact: I believe it's her husband who plays Michael Jordan's dad in the movie too. Oh, okay. so, oh wow! Well, there yeah. you go. I yeah, uh, I I can't confirm that at this moment, but I believe I learned that. Anyways, you know, it's not like a heart wrenching performance. She's yeah. a very measured woman, but she knows exactly what she's doing and who she's protecting. Okay. I'd, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not sure necessarily if there's enough for any of the performances. They're all they're all good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Marlon Wayne's popping up in there. Mm. Also at the behest, uh, representing a key figure in Michael's decision to go with Nike. Okay. Uh, and then you've also got Chris Tucker. Okay. Being in there too. So more people that yeah, you just no. don't see very often yeah. anymore. No. no. Well, that's cool. Um, is this still in theaters right now? It, it is, but I would say probably within like two months or so, it should be on Amazon Prime. Okay. Cool. As of this recording. So again, another film that's still in theaters. We're very <laughs> theater-oriented yes. so far because I'm going to keep that rolling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, please go support this next film, yes. in my opinion. <laughs> please. I uh, I am talking about the, the two Nicholases. Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage uh, in Renfield. Um, so I, so it, basically, if you if you don't know who Renfield is, Renfield was. Would you call him his familiar? Dracula's familiar, yeah, his mean, henchman, something along it's the another, lines. Another another novel that I've I don't know. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the nineteen thirties film. To, to, yeah, I mean character yeah. from from yeah. that. But it's basically Renfield uh, longs for life away from the count, his various demands and all the bloodshed that comes with it, all while getting tangled up with the notorious Lobos crime family. So this is directed by Chris McKay, who directed the Lego Batman movie, yeah. uh, which I actually did not see. It's a well, fun really? movie. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that. I wish my kids liked it more because I, I own it. I actually do love the Lego movies, yeah. and I generally don't like kid movies, but those are brilliant, and I recommend You've got a growing movie. list, Erica, because yeah. uh, you had uh, Puss in Boots the I last know. Oh, she's I know. She's getting soft on, on us. Yeah. <laughs> she's getting into these kids' movies. No, I loved Edges the Lego movie. Off. But but hadn't seen Lego, Lego Batman. Batman movie definitely worth. It's okay. funny. Out. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah. And then he also did the Tomorrow War, which I did not mm. hear good things about. I did well, not. That's on that. Amazon there if you want. Yeah. It if you want to watch it, go for it. <laughs> um, the thing that really stuck out to me actually though was he is behind some Adult Swim shows <laughs> also, um, primarily Robot Chicken. He did a lot of directing and writing for Robot Chicken, as well as a show called Moral Oral. I don't know if anyone has oh, ever wow. watched that I have show. not seen that, no. Uh, that's, a, that's, yeah, that's a throwback right there. Um, but just 
coming from somebody who loved Adult Swim stuff, I uh, was kind of eager to see this movie with somebody who has kind of backing with that. It's also it's story by it's not written by, but it's Robert Kirkman. Mm. Um, who's famous comic book writer did the walking dead. Um, so there's some backing there. Um, and I just want it. This movie is super fun. It's, <laughs> it's very violent. It's very tongue in cheek. Um, I thought all the performances were really solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas Holt is great. I mean, he's very good in everything. I think he's a very diverse actor too. He, I've seen him do dramatic. I've seen him do yeah. comedy. I think he's kind of going more comedy, though. Like, the more recent things I've seen him in have all been comedy stuff, like this and The Favorite. I don't know if you've ever Tolkien. watched The Grape. I've not seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get around to seeing Tolkien. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I there's there's a lot going on in this film that is is just always kind of grabbing your attention. Um, there's kind of this, as I mentioned earlier, kind of this subplot, I guess. It's the main plot. Yeah. But um, with Aquafina's character, she is a cop who is the daughter of a deceased. Is he the, was he the sergeant or just like a, a higher yeah, up in the police like department? A sergeant or a detective um, or something. But yeah, he was killed in the line of duty. Um, by the Lobos family. And she is trying to do good for him, but basically the entire town is paid off by this family. And so she is stuck at DUI site or stops. Like that's basically what she, what she's um, going for. And I really, at first wasn't super on board. It's like, what is this mob story? I don't know where, like what this is all about, but the more it kind of went on, I was like, okay, I get this. It's kind of like standing up to authority. It's about, um, like being your own person and not kind of letting other people tell you yeah, what not, to do. Not caving to manipulation or threats or pressure. Exactly. Yeah. And there's also a fun aspect of, of Dracula being involved with the mob. And I was like, that's kind of a fun wrinkle <laughs> yeah. too. I mean, they're both night like, dwellers essentially. Yeah, so Dracula's per- portrayed as like a extremely narcissistic and then he can he's good at exploiting people's uh, weaknesses and their like kind of secret motivations and guilt you know and that kind of thing so you get you get yeah. some silly i mean just by the nature of the of the character i think you get some silliness from nicholas cage but there's it's it's not quite vampire's kiss craziness when no, it comes no. to to vampire but there's some sarcasm there's some manipulation there's some real <laughs> intimidating like i mean when he means business it's brutal and mm-hmm. I, I don't think i was fully prepared for how violent yeah this movie is. like this is another movie with just geysers of blood but i have to say like for the most part it is more comedic and cartoonish kind of like evil dead 2 yeah type of violence where it's like it even though there there's just a lot of blood and gore it's kind of in a little silly tongue-in-cheek kind of way so you can still just kind of watch this as a comedy it doesn't it's not sickening or yeah, yeah. i mean for some people it probably maybe for is some people yeah, yeah. it is but the, the tone is don't not, take your children there is what yeah, I heard. the, the yeah. tone is not like overly cruel or sadistic i would say it's it's much more yeah. humorous i will say there was a line when there's a big action scene and aquafina turns to nicholas holt and goes <laughs> 
you know when people say I've seen worse? This is going to be my I've seen worse when people <laughs> yeah. when something else happens. Uh, and I thought that was a good that, summation of the whole whole thing. Uh, yeah, it's this brutal apartment like complex scene. Ripping the bad guy's arms off and then beating other bad guys with Wait, someone's arm. which movie arm. are we talking about here? <laughs> Still Renfield. I, yeah. I know, right? But yeah, it's like, it, it is kind of similarly. It's like this yeah. apparently right now is when... Um, Peter Jackson style splatter films are going to be, but they're not, I guess that one is not doing well in the theaters where evil dad is doing well yeah, in the theaters. Kind of, so audiences are so like unpredictable and fickle right yeah, now. I, I don't it know. It's yeah. really hard to pinpoint what's going to work just simply based on the fact. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, sh- I have not seen Renfield. I feel, yeah. I don't totally feel part of the problem, but I also, <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing this. It will get my business, but yeah. it's going to be in the next market. But yeah, there was a bit much made about it mm-hmm. failing at the same time as the Pope Exorcist failing, but I, I have don't not think, seen that yet. But yeah, uh, yeah, me neither. I'm not sure anybody's really. I mean, yeah. I, I may go see it within the next week if it's still in theaters, but it's like, I saw like three movies in theaters in the last week and I'm like, I need to pace myself here. <laughs> you need to get the Alamo Drafthouse season pass. I have that, yeah. actually. There you and go. That's Same part of the fault here. of me seeing so many movies in a short period of time. And they're not all new releases like I saw. Well, we're getting to the point where it may, seems like it's going to be worth it again. I mean, like, yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't see anything this last weekend, but there were a lot of movies that just opened mm-hmm. that I'm like, jeez, yeah. I can't and wait to see that. I tend to go to Alamo to watch like screenings of movies that have been out for a while. Like I went yeah. to see Mandy. Love that. Mm film um, that would be awesome dead and buried from 1981 i love that film so yeah they do a really good job of their their programming their yeah. historic yeah. programming oh, and they, they did do an evil dead 2 watch party and army of darkness i had mm-hmm. to see yeah. those yeah. or you could have just came to my house yes. we'll get into that later well let's do that sometime i would love to get together with you guys we, for a movie night i would love that let's let's i, I, I don't know say, how got, this uh, hasn't happened already i know i was I got thinking a, like that. the awesome steel book that uh, best buy put out of evil dead 1 and 2 last year nice. with an extremely nice slip cover that's I iconic image that, of Ash on the front, just like chainsaw wielding and all. So. That's I awesome. have one of the first special editions of the, the DVD for the original Evil Dead, but it looks like the actual Necronomicon. I remember like, that I've one. I've seen yes. that one before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm holding it. Yeah. It's, yep. <laughs> we'll get to Evil yeah, Dead we'll in just a little bit. Yeah, I, I, know, I was just like trying to contain in, the excitement. In the, last, in the last little bit, though, that I'll say about uh, Renfield is um, – it's not a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. There's there's some plot holy things in it. Primarily, how Dracula's blood works. Yeah, in my like, opinion. Yeah, it has healing powers and it does but some other. Yeah, what's the but, time frame that you have to use it? It's very strange. One character is dead and gets brought back to life, and they're like, "Oh, did you give me some health food thing?" Like they don't even realize they were dead. And then another character gets brought back from the dead, and they're like, "The things I've seen since I was dead are unseeable, mm. or something." Yeah, so yeah, it's I'll like never unsee that, or whatever. It's, it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like, "Okay, what is the thing?" And uh, also, I just want to shout out Ben Schwartz. Uh, love Ben Schwartz. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, he's great. Um, he is very silly, mm-hmm. but uh, I love him, and I just want to give him a shout-out. Uh, sadly, out. I don't take Ben Schwartz any um, other way. I, have to I, s- I know. <laughs> yeah, right? 
he he's fantastic. Shout out to all of his college humor stuff. Um, that's all I want to say about that. Um, but right. yeah, that's Renfield still in the yeah. theaters. Go see it if you want to. If it's I probably going to be out of the theaters by may, the end of this podcast. Like, add so. a couple things that I really loved about it. Like they clearly pattern Nicolas Cage's look after Bela Lugosi in like the the 1930s Universal well, Studios. They Dracula. even and cut they, them yes, into they, the that film. Is such a cool like flashback where they're kind of showing how like he met the Renfield character but they yeah they they put the the two Nicholas's in this old movie and they make it look like it's really part of the footage it, of the original it film. It looked pretty good it did honestly. Look really good. Oh you guys have um, done a pretty good job explaining it. I'm not going to watch it anymore. Oh so. no <laughs> and the other thing I loved is just like the whole idea of like, Sorry spoilers. Dracula no. being someone who has like narcissistic personality disorder and they kind of show this decades long pattern of abuse and then uh, you know, like then he's like rebuilding, you know, building up Renfield's, you know, morale again, just to tear him down like over mm-hmm. and over. So it, I felt like that aspect of it was very accurate with mm-hmm. how uh, abusers treat people, especially people with narcissistic personality disorder. And, it, and there's also kind of an interesting crossover with like a lot of pop psychology and kind of um, layperson terminology it's common lately i notice for people with that disorder to be labeled as emotional vampires so it's like Mm. they've you know it's a literal vampire who Mm -hmm. has these personality traits so i i just thought that was a cool do we have um, like a show notes for like our episodes that we can like put links for like everything like eric is referencing for people to like look into themselves this is a good (laughs) class watch or listen to these episodes and you learn a whole lot of stuff um but yeah that's renfield uh see it I would recommend it, um, but we're gonna do something, a, a night, a new segment. Well, I don't know. We'll call it a new segment. It's called Quick Wick. Um, <laughs> so we're only gonna do this every that. every time a movie in the John Wick universe comes out. How about every time there's a movie that has an ick ending? <laughs> We'll just call it quick whatever, and that'll be the new segment. Um, but yeah, we're gonna do. Uh, the two of them are going to talk very briefly about the new John Wick film. Super briefly. Go. For, you you can you oh. can begin, Erica. Okay, so like on a previous recording when you're like, so what are you guys looking forward to seeing? I said, I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to seeing. It's John Wick Four. And I take that back. Anyway. I I saw because like a friend of mine like enjoys the series enough to want to see it in the theater, and I kind of hated the third film. Um, actually did enjoy the fourth film quite a bit, even though I'm not like a huge action movie person. Uh, but it's another kind of overlong movie, but I was not bored. Okay. Yeah. So that's Def- my take on it. And that's, and yeah, so I am a big John Wick fan. I've been to every single one since the first one. And, you know, uh, weirdly enough, like, uh, yeah, like two and three, uh, they, they, the action set pieces are what you go there for. I'm to the point where like the gun violence is doing nothing for me mm, and it's yeah. super repetitive. Um, and the fact that they all just wear these like bulletproof suits, it's just like, I don't know what we're doing I here. I do just- have an issue with that too. So it's like, just because a suit is bulletproof does not mean it saves you from like the, the blunt force impact yeah. Yeah. of the bullet. And it's like, it's like nothing happens. It's, there's yeah. no effect on it. I was going to say, so yes, the physics of all of that and the repercussions that should still be there. Big issues. Also, yeah, the repetitive nature just isn't that exciting, but all the other like action set pieces, the hand to hand violence, the car violence, mm-hmm. those things work really well. And this one is a standout. It also has Donnie Yen in it. Um, and he, his character 
and just like uh, the respect and attitude, you know, these assassins have towards one another. I, I, I always appreciate that kind of like honor among thieves. So mm-hmm. this one had a lot more that I enjoyed than the previous ones. And I still show up for the previous and own the previous ones, things like that. So, yeah, I I was very, very satisfied go. with this one. And, yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, the, the car foo kung fu i don't know the <laughs> stuff they perform the stuff that they do with the cars in this one particularly i loved that, that was sequence. fun and like i i also kind of get a little bored of like the gun violence stuff but the the dragon's breath ammo scenes i thought were oh, a ton of fun yes oh that and it's <laughs> and it's executed in a very um non-traditional way yeah. it's this great like kind of like uh po like bird's eye view video game like nice uh, mm-hmm. uh, view that you're just going along with the action yeah it makes it a lot more fun to watch than a lot of yeah uh, I was gonna say that and that's type. just it like, like they keep it fresh uh, Keanu Reeves and Chad Stalski the uh, forever director of this series uh, they they know what they're doing as far as the action goes for the most part it seems like everyone enjoys this series I don't really I mean they all seem to get good reviews and make money and yeah. and yeah, I they mean, keep making more they keep money making than more the last. Money. I mean, <laughs> as long as people like them, yep. they keep, they're going to keep cranking them out. So come back again in two years or however long for another <laughs> another segment of Quick Wick. Jeez, yeah, unless like somebody rewatches like the Spider Wick Chronicles. I'm trying I, to think of all the other <laughs> ick. We'll, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we'll shoehorn a new <laughs> ick movie in every future episode, though. But I think it's probably just time for our featured film tonight. Indeed, which is Evil Dead Rise. Um, Erica came to play. I mean, she's, she's her shirt. Uh, obviously, this is a podcast, but to the listeners, she's she's representing. She's representing. Yeah. Um. So for those who don't know what this film is, uh, it's a twisted tale of two estranged sisters who were, whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons, um, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. Um, this film is directed by Lee Cronin, who is the director of Hole in the Ground. Um, have you two seen Hole in the Ground? I've heard about I it since. Not. I was completely unfamiliar with this gentleman prior. Yeah, Hole in the Ground is a really good movie. Um, I don't. It didn't stay with me as well as I would have liked to. It's an A24 hmm. horror film. It's much slower. It's a I'm very slow burn. Um, but it is an Irish movie since he is an Irish director. Um, but definitely, it's basically about a kid. And his mom, who live in uh, like kind of the wood or like a wooded area, and it's uh, modern times, I, I believe. Um, but he finds a giant like crater hole, like yeah. a like as big as a quarter of land, just in the middle of the forest, basically. And yeah, uh, we won't go into it there, but uh, <laughs> I would recommend it. Uh, this uh, movie stars Marbel Pease and Anna Marie Thomas, who I was unfamiliar with. I yeah, no these, one in this film all is these actors I've recognizable, never, which is fine. I mean, yeah, the the biggest star from the 2013 remake was probably Jane Levy. Jane Levy, but uh, everybody else yeah. is. Basically a nobody. Uh, yes. Or, sorry, that is uh, that is an <laughs> unfair to think. Unknown, they were an unknown, unknown yes. actor. They were yeah. an unknown actor. Um, but yeah, Jane Levy was popular. She, yeah, well, and she reteamed with the director of the Evil Dead remake, Fede Alvarez, for mm, uh, Don't for Breathe, Don't Breathe which, yeah. 
I, yeah, that's that's a messed up movie, but I, I it kept did me, enjoy it. Yeah. Kept it's me like watching. An exploit, it's like an exploitation movie, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, that's crazy. It. We don't need to talk about Don't Breathe, right? <laughs> because Maybe I could talk, talk about, about that film for a long time. We should talk <laughs> about the the film at hand. But yeah, um, Erica, why don't you go first? Oh man, do um, we do we do we want to preface this at all with our history with the franchise? I, that's I was a good actually point. going to preface it. Okay, with that, and so. yeah, let's yeah, yeah let's start um, with Erica then. Yeah, I, I would be hard-pressed to pick a favorite horror movie because there are just so many I love, but this is my favorite horror movie franchise. Okay. And um, even though I, I like certain other franchise movies, some of the, like, for instance, some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, mm-hmm. love them, have nostalgia for them, but objectively, there are terrible movies in that franchise. Oh, yes. Evil Dead franchise, I feel like the quality is like pretty consistent. By the way, with your comment about the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, they make a joke. They make about a direct that. joke, <laughs> and the character says there are no bad ones. Yeah, which is <laughs> that hilarious. is uh, not true, but <laughs> there, there that are. Is okay. Yeah, um, I, I, there are I would ag- bad ones. <laughs> I would agree, though. I think this is probably one of the most consistent franchises. Yeah, consistent, which with is quality, consistent, which but not w- yeah, in terms of tone no, or right. content. It, this might be the yeah. most. All over the place mm-hmm. when it comes and to tone. Exactly. But we, like, yeah, but yeah, like you have Army of Darkness, which was the lightest one. Seemed like it was trying to be more PG thirteen. Got an R rating anyway. And then like the original Evil Dead, the Fetty Alvarez remake, super dark, violent movies, and then. It, yeah, it, it's it's basically it's, uh, very varied in tone. It's it's basically Evil Dead is a straight up horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Evil Dead the original. 2, the original, yes. The <laughs> the Evil Dead 2, I think, is a pretty solid 50-50 horror comedy. comedy uh-huh. A lot That's of essentially, yeah. but with gore. But with gore and yeah. real state and, like, stakes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The Army like, of Darkness yes. is, like, a action-adventure movie, basically. Yeah, there's really very little horror in it and and then it just gets so silly and repetitive near the end like that's my the only thing i would talk about army of darkness even though i love a lot of things about it i don't need to see 20 plus minutes of dry dusty skeletons exploding that's fair like that's just a lot <laughs> of that but i love the ash character love the one-liners yeah. i also really love the ash versus evil dead tv series it was on stars mm-hmm. for three seasons mm-hmm. so yeah i've i've loved this franchise since um I think I was like 21 or 22 years old. So like in college and then uh, discovered it and I had heard some hype about it, but just hadn't gotten around to seeing it. And it's like, where has this movie been all my life? This is great. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love the whole series, even though, yeah, the, the tone is uh, very varied within the original trilogy. And then you have the Fetty Alvarez remake from 2013. Mm-hmm. And then this film, so, Ten years yeah, later, very... surprising it took it's this crazy long. that yeah, it's crazy that it was this long. I mean, the the Fetty Alvarez one is like the most overt horror. It, I it would is. say it just seems like the the darkest in tone. It's so grim it's, and, and brutal and, and fairly unrelenting. Um, it is, and not there's like little to no humor in it. It just yeah, it, it, it sort of go going straight back to the original. Evil Dead, but it just seemed like, yeah, aside from, like, the tropes of this franchise and checking off certain boxes, mm-hmm. yeah, we kind of got to a point of, like, you know, as far as, you know, things that you cannot touch, which mm-hmm. the Necronomicon is never an issue in any of these movies. They're the touching you, that thing the way things, too the much. The things you cannot yeah. touch <laughs> is, like, uh, probably the most endearing quality about those first three movies that 
keep people coming back and this franchise ultimately alive in some sense. And that is um, the character of Ash mm-hmm. along with kind of like the kind of wittiness and goofiness mm-hmm. there, there in it's sort of like, okay, yeah, those, those things we, maybe they recognize the futile, the, the, the futility of trying to replicate that. So yeah. they just kind of give the gore hounds what they want. It's like, yeah. it can also just be this, which is, which is fine. And, you know, then if you're wanting kind of like original recipe style, you can go to Ash versus the Evil Dead, which, mm-hmm. yeah, truth be told, I'm not beyond the first season, but I did enjoy it. And I was like, yeah, this is spending time with a character. Mm-hmm. And that definitely leans more into the, the comedy side. Yeah. yeah, but that is pretty gory, too. Yeah, yeah. Based yeah. on what they had to work with. But, but um, yeah. The one-liners are very much, like, more in keeping with, like, the Army of Darkness type Ash yeah. and, like, his just dumb, loudmouth, braggart behavior and just, just saying stupid things that are hilarious. Just that prime Bruce Campbell stuff. Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, and I, I do feel like, I feel like they should never and maybe will never hopefully um, cast someone else as Ash. I just feel like Bruce Campbell is yeah, Ash and, for me. And that's just it. It's like, yeah, yeah much like there are just certain characters that are too iconic and attached mm-hmm. to the original star, you know, uh, whether it's Harrison Ford and any of the characters he's portrayed, mm-hmm. or, yeah, Bruce Campbell in this sense. It's just, yeah. But should that keep them from trying, I don't know, trying to, like, mind the aspects that made that work or that people loved because that's the thing too it's like yeah the, all those one-liners from ash mm-hmm. that's what you know people then quote amongst you know uh yeah. the fan culture here uh, with these movies the closest you get to one-liners are just mere regurgitations of what's come before and usually the the one-liners are not very funny in these newer no no and they've never said it in a winking dead. yeah i mean like, they're, they're wink certainly paying fan service mm-hmm. in the moment and how they're said it's played straight but yeah. i think that's a bruce thing i think it that's, is yeah. i think anything that he, he says is just gonna have that little extra he has a certain charisma too. yeah yeah he's one of the most mm-hmm. charismatic which is funny because ash in the original evil dead is pretty kind of cowardly and, and, yeah. and sh- the entire film. So the fact that his <laughs> the three film arc for him is is pretty pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, f- for me and this series, I love this series as well. Um, I we were talking. I sent out a, a picture to to our group. It was like, you know what? I decided I'm just gonna watch all of them again in anticipation. And <laughs> the main thing that kind of spurred this on as I was looking I first I own all of them so that helped um, but I looked at it uh, here are the run times for all of these for all of these <laughs> movies evil De- the the evil dead mm. 85 minutes evil dead 2 84 minutes army of darkness 81 minutes wow okay evil dead 2013 91 minutes and that's with three to four minutes of credits by the mm. way and then even this newest film is only 96 minutes long. Love those lean, so, lean, lean run like times. <laughs> they are tight movies. They get in and then they do what they need to do and they get out of there. More movies and, need to be like this. I yeah. swear. Yeah. You'll get my money in theaters that way. Well, and, and it's one of those things where it's not intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I, I'm going to watch four movies. But it's like, okay, that's only going to take – it was like five and a half hours or something like that. Like mm-hmm. something wild like that. Um 
And so I, I love these. Um, we can get into ratings after we've mm. talked about the movie afterwards, uh, the newest film. But why don't we get into this one, mm. though, um, with Erica? Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, like like I was saying, like at, at least if you are already a fan of this franchise, like you you kind of know if this movie's for you or for not or not. And if you're not, and if you know, you're not a person who likes uh, excessive extreme gore and blood, then you know that this is not for you, but I'm, I'm glad we're reviewing this now. Cause it's like, it's in time for mother's day. And also <laughs> Bo is afraid ties in big mother's, mother's day, day film. Take um, your mom to yeah. the theater to see evil dead rise. <laughs> so this, this was one of my most anticipated films of this year. And in terms of like the, the look and the mood and tone, it does have a lot more in common with the 2013 Fetty Alvarez remake or reboot, whatever you want to call that. Um, than it, it does with the original trilogy starring Bruce Campbell. Apparently these all work in the same universe. Yes. And there is a plot point brought up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I even consider it a spoiler per se, but it's like, if you're looking at the original trilogy versus the 2013 film versus this one, they all have very different looking Necronomicons. Well, but, and they Army of Darkness. Why. Oh, that one there, there are three books, but it's like, well, are two of them like false books or yeah. something? But and, like, and that's the way I read it. They do kind of Army of Darkness. Yeah. But, but now it's like they reveal that there are actually at least at least three Necronomicon volumes, and this is just one of the three. Yep. So that's like why, oh, it can exist in the same universe. The book has a very different look, has some scary uh, teeth that keep the, keep it locked. Yes. yes. And apparently you have to like prick your finger on it and bleed to get the Me book to zoom. open, which is it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, which also is something that happens in the 2013 one That's, as well. That is right. Yeah, that one's uh, someone had wrapped that up in barbed barb wire. wire. Yeah. But he does prick his finger, falls on the page. And that one is that one is interesting because it's it's like a plastic trash bag basically wrapped in barbed wire. Uh-huh. But then like, but under the trash bag, it does have like some stitched together skin. There's just not yeah. a face or whatever. Sure. But, yeah. but like it, just the way that it's uh-huh. preserved where it's in like, this yeah. one, it's yeah, this thing that has like these teeth that are keeping it. Mm. And yeah, but so it's, fun, fun it's, fact when they, Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I, I appreciate you, you all helping me remember the 2013 because I actually saw that movie twice in theaters more out of circumstance rather uh. than me just being eager to see it again. Mm. Save for Jane Levy and her, you know, going from victim to possessed to villain to ultimate hero in that movie. Mm-hmm. I remember nothing else mm. of that movie. I, re- I couldn't put a face to any of the mm-hmm. other characters or necessarily what happens to them other than to say they die. So they do. Um, they, they do so, yeah, the, the 2013 one just. It, while I agree, and when I think of it, unrelenting is the word that comes to mind. I uh, just cannot remember too much. So even describing the presentation of the Necronomicon in that one, I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, there's some there's some things in the 2013 that really stick with you. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's a brutality. Yes. That, that well, there's always really a violent see. possession. Uh huh. Yes, uh, there's a scene with a electric knife that mm-hmm. comes to mind. There's another scene that is reminiscent of the movie Bone Tomahawk, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, if you know what I'm Tomahawk. referring to. Yes. Um, but the thing that I really loved about the 2013 one is the premise, basically. 
Um, if you remember, she is trying to kick her heroin oh, that's addict right. yeah, yes, addiction. Yes. And so they are bringing uh-huh. her out to this cabin to get her to go off, to get rid of it cold turkey. Mm-hmm. So there's an explanation to why they aren't leaving and why they, she would be acting and erratic. And they don't take her behavior and they don't take seriously. Her seriously. Right. So just the premise itself is a really good catalyst for an Evil Dead story um, because you're not going to if if a ex heroin addict or someone who's trying to kick it is saying we need to get out of here i can't take it anymore you're just going to assume that they're having really bad withdrawals and exactly. just want to yeah. again forgot all about that yes yeah. um, but anyway uh back yeah, to your like, thoughts but it's kind of hard not to reference the earlier films when we talk about the new one but um yeah like one of the first things you notice with this one is that just um the setting, um, a few other things really set this apart from the earlier ones. Like, for one thing, there's the family dynamic. Like, this is a family unit that is, like, eh, kind of literally ripped apart um, by this evil force. So you have this this family dynamic, especially with the mom and her kids, rather than some kind of relationship between friends. The other is they moved this setting from this isolated cabin in the woods to this like dilapidated high rise building in LA and that gives a very different mm-hmm. like feeling bit to of it a, than the bit other of a films. fake out as far as like the, the book trailer, end, the book end of this movie yeah, how this then the movie trailer is shows like a, a lake a lake and a cabin in the woods so it's like it's not that that isn't there it's but like either they were just throwing that in to material. satisfy the fans or maybe they're setting it up for another sequel that would take it certainly to that. could be set up for another se- I also yeah. think it's them having a little bit of fun with the audience like you know like this is Bait this is the setting you expect bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I I will admit I was not a big fan of the bookends of this. I thought it felt shoehorned I, to me. Yeah. I had fun with them, but it was not necessary. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they would be good in their own separate movie. Probably. The the, the title sequence though, as far as the title reveal goes, well, oh yeah, that, yeah. that, that was, was spectacular. Yeah, that, that was, was really that, cool. <laughs> that had a crescendo that I was like, all right, this it, this that works. And I love something that I did really like about that opening is that there's the iconic kind of following thing mm. that the evil dead does <laughs> oh, I love with that, the camera. Yeah. yeah. And then it, and it is revealed that it's a drone. Right. Like it's actually a part of what's going on. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind the, of the supernatural force at it, all. Yeah, I like that yeah, too. I thought that was good. That is one of four Chekhov's items that I have listed for Ooh, this movie. Nice. Okay. Chekhov's drone. Chekhov's yeah, drone. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I did like how they reworked some of the, the previous tropes, but they put it in this like urban industrial setting. Like instead of rapacious tree branches, you have uh, sentient uh, elevator cables or yeah. wires. Yeah. So I, like, the final the, shot of that sequence, as far as the violent possessions go, that was that was a mm. that was a very effective shot. Like when I think of when I just think of this movie, you know, I just get flashes of images. That's one of them. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, and then there's uh, like what was another good example? So yeah, like all the other, except for Army of Darkness, which was the medieval one, but the other ones all have this image of. Like there's a single access to like the cabin that is a bridge and then like the bridge is either washed away in a flood or it's like right. kind of turned inside out sort yep. of. So in- instead of that, there's like uh, the plot of there's an earthquake that just destroys the the stair access so they can't get down the stairs to escape. And yeah, the elevator is, is the mother says, untrustworthy. Never, never use an elevator <laughs> after, after an, an earthquake. earthquake. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention earlier. So fun fact. So after the earthquake uncovers... 
um, hole in the ground to this old uh, bank vault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Call back. Call back. Call back. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, then, like, the, the teen son goes down there and looks around and finds the Necronomicon and the vinyl recordings that go with it. So there are all these, like, rosaries and crucifixes and other things that are placed around the Necronomicon. On top of that... Um, it kind of looked like a tomb or a vault or something, whatever, whatever the Necronomicon it was in. There's a St. Benedict's medal. And for those who are not up on their like Catholic oh, saint yeah, lore, yeah. St. Benedict is one of the um, saints who is like <clears throat> supposed to have like powers of exorcism. He is like maybe the the most fun exorcist in Catholic lore that I'm aware <laughs> of. Like, um, it's fun to think of the most fun. Exercise. Yeah, and I feel like they missed an opportunity. <laughs> they missed an opportunity to stats? to do like a scene with this concept. Performed. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but, but but it wasn't like your this one story. It's not the, the typical go through the formula, <laughs> right? Right. But like there was a story in like church lore that Saint Benedict literally slapped a demon out of some person. Nice. Why have they made a movie about that? And it's like they well, could have. That would have been a really right? cool. Well, that's um. I know it's not. It's that's not a different say, thing. Yeah, but the yeah, one the, from <laughs> the the uh, William Freakin documentary. I did, right. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, gosh darn it. Yeah. It's like I need an Evil Dead movie. If they're gonna reference Saint Benedict, they need someone slapping the demon out of someone. Bruce and Campbell should have been on the recording. Should have been. Yeah. Just right. have Bruce Campbell play. Come in and slap someone. That I, I would love that. But, but did you enjoy this in general? I though? did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I was, I previously discussed this on another podcast I'm on called um, The House That Screams. And there was shout out. one guy. Just yeah, getting your leftovers out. here. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one one guy in the group absolutely hated this movie and he changed his like Zoom name to F this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. He <laughs> had very strong feelings. Everyone else was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. And he was like just how you anti can... it. I don't know for whatever. I, for is is he a fan of the franchise? He loves the franchise. Okay. So and Strange. I've I've heard a few other stronger. T- I, I've heard similar stronger takes from fans. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't like the urban setting, and he felt like various things about were like a cash grab. And I personally don't feel that it is more than any other sequel. Well, get Look, into your... I mean, we're talking, you know, this is the year of Scream 6 where it finally got out of Woodsboro. Yeah, we that's true. It's City, like, so. I liked that setting. It's one of the few yeah. things I really liked about that movie. And Jason was the pioneer that took things from Crystal Lake to uh, Manhattan to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, we're to, by Manhattan and New York and Scream 6, we're still talking about Vancouver, Canada. But <laughs> still, you know, to freshen things up, eight. Hey, it's not the it's not the Evil Dead in space yet. So once we get there, well, the thing though is, if a series could pull off something in space, though, it, this would be more likely to do it well. You could you probably. could potentially. I mean, honestly, Army of Darkness going to the Middle Ages is mm-hmm. just as ridiculous as it going Absolutely. to space. So one of the original titles, I think it was supposed to originally the be called Middle Dead. Dead. Yeah, oh, so good, so good. Oh, my like goodness, it. what is that all about? Whatever. Um... <laughs> But yeah, Jared, why don't you share your thoughts? Oh, so yeah, my history with the franchise goes back to when I was a young kid. My brother, who's older than me, introduced me to this because it was just right up him and his friends' D&D playing Mm -hmm. horror-loving alley. Uh, So Army of Darkness is something they just started quoting that I had like little (laughs) reference to. But as soon as it was available to rent, we had it in the house a lot. I was watching it way too young. Um, But... (laughs) I, you know, I was, you know, baptized into this franchise via that. And then, like, you know, you hear about, like, how 
Evil Dead one was I don't know not like a notorious film, but like had things attributed to it, like um, Stephen King calling it one of the scariest films of all time. So when he says mm-hmm. something like that. You know, this is before the time he just gave pull quotes out yeah. left and right. Yeah, it said something. So I remember seeing Evil Dead pop up in Walmart on VHS at one point. <laughs> I just straight up bought it. I was like, I haven't seen this. I want to. I bought it. I watched it. It messed me up. But yeah, I was like, I'm completing everything now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other other personal facts with this franchise, uh, Army of Darkness is one of, if not my wife's uh least favorite movies of all time. <laughs> she said she had to watch it in college with her friends and she hated every minute of it. Okay. So that's in nothing else. That is the power of our love to transcend, <laughs> transcend. such differences in taste. But uh, yeah, so I'm a big evil dead uh, <laughs> fan. And yes, this, you know, this movie I was very eagerly anticipating, but still very trepidatious about it because as Erica mentioned, there's a lot different about this one than previous entries. Previous entries, you know, were all either at a cabin or dealing with, you know, a set of characters that are hard to relate to. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've got a family, and the family lineup is eldest boy to younger daughters. That is my family's lineup. Mm-hmm. I've got an older okay. boy to younger daughters, and uh, the youngest girl in this movie, I can easily see m- my middle daughter looking like in, you know, approximately seven years. Yeah. So, and no, you know, the tagline to this movie, it's a good tagline. Mommy loves you to death. Knowing that I was like, I'm going to see how well I can handle this. You know, I've got a different lens since uh, my early days with this franchise and horror loving roots as far as like anything is on the, you know, nothing is off the table. Yeah. That being said, yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, I got to prepare myself. I don't think all the kids are going to make it. Not going to say anything yet uh, until we get to spoilers, but- you know, this movie handled it pretty, pretty well, yeah, you know, as far as so. what mm-hmm. all happened and transpired. Mm-hmm. So that uh, I'm glad that went down pretty well for the most part. Um, yeah, this may be my middle of the road for me. I got That's nothing fair. against this movie. Um, it's just because of that dynamic being so different. It's going to certainly be more memorable than the the remake from 2013 that, uh, as I've mentioned, I've struggled with <laughs> recall- recalling that one. So. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot more to say, but uh, you know, might as well like, yeah, get your take on it too, Jake. Before we get any further down the road, yeah, I'll just do a quick take on it. Um, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a a great time at the movies. Honestly, um, I thought the violence was or the, like the gore looked good. I thought it was original or it was inventive to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Um, I thought this movie looked great. I thought that the cinematography was very good. You can definitely tell that Lee Cronin is a good visual director. I thought all the the peephole sequences looked good and were were tense. Um, I did think that there were some some accent issues from yeah. time to time. <laughs> I've um, heard that. I'm the, I'm the worst with like getting pulled out because of accents, but a number of people have talked about uh, I think, the, the down under. I think every single person in this movie is either Australian or New Zealand. Or I, from, I think it was filmed in New Zealand. Okay. okay. Most of it was. So. I would say especially the opening scene, like the, the, the bookend characters, mm. they're not on screen for very long, but I don't think they did a very good job with their accents. But other than that, the other ones... They, they were fine. Um, but yeah, I thought this was really good. Um, definitely a movie that I would watch again. Mm. Um, 
it's not going to be a slog if I do another full Evil Dead rewatch uh, the next time the next Evil Dead movie comes out. Um, but I'll just leave it at that, and then we can just get into some spoilers. It's not like there's a big twist or anything like this. No, in but the as film, far as like you know, the things that are revealed, more who details. Makes it, who yeah. It, so like why don't we listen to the bumper, and then we'll get into the spoilers. Could it really be that simple. Secret lies with Charlotte. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Silent breathe is people! Greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. And we're back with a spoiler section for Evil Dead Rise. What would you say is, do we just want to get into who makes it and who doesn't make it? Um, I mean, I've also just got some general, am I being too nitpicky and trying to understand the rules of possession? I I very have no idea how this series, who can be possessed, who, so how they become possessed. There's a lot of different ways of people right. becoming possessed in this. Like there's definitely a sort of like, physical contagion especially with bodily fluids it feels like uh, zombie virus up until the point of blood though but yeah if someone gets like a face full of blood which has happened in In like every single one of them and they're totally fine yeah yeah, it doesn't result in possession it's it's like so in all of them someone gets covered in blood at some point i think in every single one of the movies but in this one um the mom drills herself with yeah. a with, tattoo needle with a tattoo with needle her, yeah tattoo and pen. then like stabs the the older daughter in the cheek in the cheek with it it's and then two now on she... my Chekhov's list tattoo okay. pen uh-huh. set up early and like I bet that's going to be go. used effectively later. and then and then she becomes possessed mm-hmm. yeah and I was like uh so I, there's almost, does it require it, like breaking skin so like the, yeah they, guess, but like if you get it in your mouth the skin and then she like mommy kisses it sort of like and gets I the guess. saliva uh, yeah, yeah I'm, it, not, I'm not totally sure it's like, just confusing <laughs> in the first film there was just a character who gets stabbed in the ankle with a pencil which was a good like cheap gory effect but it's like that didn't even involve like getting the zombies bodily fluids in the right it, it was just a pencil it, but it, that leg gets possessed it, it almost <laughs> it almost feels like people allow themselves to get possessed like there might be a willpower element the, or yeah some, like yeah. once the once the the deadites can break your will down they have the ability to k- take control Which of your body but you would think that the sense. littlest one, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I have noticed like with several entries in the series, um, like not Army of Darkness is too silly to really fall into it's the that outlier. Is, yeah, but like the other ones, it's like the demonic forces have to really physically and emotionally just terrorize and violate their victims before they can possess them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that. In this one, there's really just well, I guess most characters. Now that I think about it, end up getting possessed because mm-hmm. your your main cast is the 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 mom and her sister, and then her three kids. And well, the the son does not get possessed, correct? No, he does. He does. Or he does get possessed. It takes he does. a while, but he does. Yeah. yeah, it just takes him much longer to get there. Right. Um. It's just so it's just the sister and the youngest that don't get possessed. 
and then everyone in the hallway gets possessed mm-hmm. after being yeah, after being brutally after murdered, yeah. um, which is the peephole scene essentially. Yeah, and the peephole scene was was good. I I'll, I just I almost wish they would have done more with it, but oh, yeah. that that certainly like shows you what the stakes are because amongst those killed in that peephole sequence is a child. And it's like children. Yep. Not off the table. Not in this movie. Yeah, I mean, both the side kids and uh-huh. the actual children in the family. Because the only ones, we're in spoiler section now, yeah. the only ones that make it out alive are the youngest daughter and the two that don't get possessed. Right. Um, and you could also extrapolate, or just include in that, it's revealed that this younger sister, she's also pregnant. She's also pregnant. Mm-hmm. So she has impending motherhood hanging over her head. So uh, wrapping back to that motherhood. I I was going to say, certainly it's not delicately handled at all. Like like many, any other thing you could try. It kind of smacks you over the face with it. But But there is that element of like motherhood there. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah. Still more subtle than Bo is afraid. And man, (laughs) this is, this is making Bo is afraid so much more interesting in my mind. Yeah. I don't know if you're helping or hurting. (laughs) I don't don't But. But I don't know. Check it out anyway. Um, I'm not not hating on it too much. (laughs) So is there a kill in this movie that stands out to you in regards to the rest of the series? Mm. Like is it because to me, I think the one that probably sticks out the most, this isn't a, a kill but just a thing is probably the cheese grater thing. I was just going to mention that as far as effective injuries, because again, yeah, it doesn't kill, but like, you know, what, what is an interesting, uh, not everyday weapon that could be used as a weapon? Cheese grater. I, I, uh, you know, bad parenting moment for me, but (laughs) my son who loves Halloween very much and likes talking about gory things. I explained to him that I saw a movie and I showed <laughs> I showed him a cheese grater. I was like, feel this, buddy. And you feel how rough that is? He's like, yeah. I was like, I saw a movie where the bad person <laughs> takes this thing against somebody's leg and just pulls. <laughs> and, you know, he thought it sounded cool and I – It's not it's cool. Not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing though. I mean, it's like, yeah, it, it's kind of like, you know, go back to that original like cabin fever when you describe uh, – a movie about like oh, a, yeah. flesh, uh, a flesh flesh devouring yeah, virus, yeah. virus and a woman starts <clears throat> shaving her legs in a bathtub yeah that's and a you know, scene. Like, see that's just for it. all it's the like flaws that movie has there is some invent- yeah. inventiveness yeah I, I love cabin fever honestly yeah though. I rewatched it this last Halloween <laughs> and I was like that some of these things <laughs> don't age well we'll just say but you could say that about any Eli Roth project yeah, probably sadly. yeah sadly I still, I still dig him what can I say I dig his horror films it's a love hate big house with the clock on the wall or whatever. Oh, yeah, I've not seen that one. Clock in the wall. Sounds more like a Giallo title, but it's a kid-friendly movie. I don't know. Right. <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> so anyway, as far as like attacks and kills go, the, like uh, the one, the middle daughter after her possession, the glass eating. You know, I appreciate yeah. that. Just like there's a, there's an insert close-up detail shot of class oh, yeah. going down her throat and piercing and the piercing. other. That side yeah, of the skin. That was a good effect. And, uh, yeah, a simple thing that made me cringe was the elevator scene where the mom's about to get possessed and the, the demonic force like rips her earring out of her oof, ear. Yeah. Simple thing, simple but things really like that. Uncomfortable. Exactly. Things getting ripped off heads happens quite a bit in this movie. There's early scalping. Oh, yes. yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that does happen. I feel like getting an appendage ripped off 
I've seen it in enough movies. It's so outlandish that it doesn't do <laughs> yeah. as much for fingernail me. Fingernail trauma, like a fingernail getting ripped off or something pierced under the nail is really yeah. cringe. Those and, are the things that stick yeah. with the ones that like could happen accidentally. The cheese grater thing takes, was uncomfortable. Yeah, well, it takes, you know, as far as that goes, it takes me back to A Quiet Place and some mm. of the things that uh, yeah. happen. Stepping on a, stepping on yeah, a nail. Yeah, yeah, I have yep. done that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and those are the things that really stick with you. I mean, I don't know if I would say other than maybe the cheese grater thing, I'll really be thinking about a lot of <sighs> yeah, stuff with that. I mean, there is a, a, a glass-related scene in the 2013 Evil Dad. I forgot uh-huh. about it. Uh, which I is like the first <laughs> thing that's violent kind of it's, in it. It's definitely seared into my brain. Like, I thought it was one of the more traumatic The sound scenes. mixing in Apparently that scene I need to watch is what it, for it is. a third time. Um, <laughs> character... Uh, we're in spoilers. Uh, character, um, they break a, a mirror or something. Mirror? Yeah. And she's sawing the side of her mouth. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, the little the yeah. scraping sound. The that scraping it sounds really, is it's it's ew. very intense. But uh, but yeah, uh, another getting into another kind of spoilery thing though with this more one this new one is what did you think of the the Cronenberg esque, <laughs> or I guess more describe it as like a homunculus. A, the I I'm trying to th- from beyond it, or it is sort of Lovecraftian kind, of, but it's also very yeah, it is kind of Cronenberg body horrish at the same time. But early, like when the mom is first possessed, she does say, "I have this most society, beautiful maybe? dream." Oh yeah, I could, I could kind of see society comparisons, but you, you've probably seen that in the trailer where she's like. Where she's breaking the eggs and the skillet and mm-hmm. stuff, and she's like, "I had the most beautiful dream. Like it was sunny out, blah blah blah. And everything was perfect, and I just wanted to take a knife and cut you all open and climb inside your body so we could all be one happy family." And it's like, well, that does kind of yep. tell you where what how that and ultimate creature comes into <laughs> kind of yeah, happens. Being, sort of does happen. Uh, yeah, basically all of the characters <laughs> that die. Is it well? Is it everyone? Uh, uh, the, just the family members, not like not the hallway people. I thought or the hallway whatever. people see, also they, got incorporated uh, as well. I thought it was all just the mom and I don't know. the two kids who were. I have to see it again to really clearly understand kinda, it and count the number of appendages coming off. Yeah, that thing. weird, like almost spider, like too many limbs. Do you remember the? Uh, I think of 2011, the remake slash prequel of the thing. Yeah. yeah I saw okay. it in the theater once. There's, yeah, well, that's more but than enough. That's I did not like the a, CGI in it. Well, and that's just it. It's like there's a moment similar to that where, like, the 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 thing that the host, like, rolls itself onto another victim and it just... Oh, just, like, absorbs be, them. Absorbs yeah. them yeah. and becomes, like, this mo- grotesque, monstery type thing of the two of them. And But, yeah, that was CGI. It looked terrible here. You know, this... It looked good. Also, they keep it in the shadows for quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, like there's some CGI, which I mean, I CGI never really sits completely well with yeah. me. But like they don't abuse it in this. No. It's just, just enough to make certain things it, come together. Everything is shot and lit well <laughs> to to hide more CGI right. heavy things. Exactly. Right. Um, which um, in a series like this that, that is all about spectacle is pretty restraint yeah. yeah i was just thinking okay another tie-in with bo is afraid so we got this whole return to the womb thing so at the end i think <laughs> the kids a, only god forgives I, yeah i think the the kids climb inside the mom's body and that's kind of what spawns the multi-limb multi-headed creature okay mm. 
So yeah, no. I'm just this is just a no, themed no, episode. Yeah. Um, but th- those were kind of the main spoilery things, I yeah. guess. I want to bring up. Is yeah. there anything that you two wanted to to bring up that's specifically about this? And then I'm going to ask you to rank all of these. I was movies. actually so going to ask thinking you all the about same that. Thing. <laughs> well, let's see. Yeah. So I think the only other thing that doesn't uh, that I hadn't mentioned as far as clear obvious weapons that get set up was there's a chase scene between the two um sisters early mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. that results in uh, the the young daughter oh the scissors there's yeah, yeah, that's scissors. right that's right yeah. there is that yeah. you know have you seen mommy scissors and they fall underneath off scissors but then also she had, like cuts the heads off her dolls and she oh, puts yeah. them on this Stephanie. pole Stephanie Stephanie great I do appreciate that name anyways as siblings do, they get upset. They chase each other. Staffney ends up getting broken, and you clearly see the one end as a very sharp spear-like weapon. Somebody's going to get stabbed with that. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? When the one sister's possessed and goes after the other sister, it comes back into play, and she spears the mm-hmm. sister through the head with it. Yep. So that's... <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have a, we don't include the spoiler section on the the actual broadcast <laughs> of just, this. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, um, is, uh, that is But I think we keep it pretty tame for the... For, for the other one, but yeah, yeah. but no, I I yeah. think that's I think they do a good job of reincorporating things. Yes, it can be obvious at times, but I think it's still earned. And mm. now, aside from like the tropes or conventions of this franchise itself, like yes, there's going to be a Necronomicon that shows up somehow. This is the you know result of an earthquake unearthing a hole in the ground, as we mm-hmm. said. The oldest boy goes down into it, finds the Necronomicon there, along with these old vinyl recordings Mm -hmm. that he steals because he's like this budding DJ in his room. He's got this, again... Insane setup, by the way. Mm -hmm. Insane apartment for this mother who is being stretched beyond her means since the father, the absent father here, is gone. He's flown the coop. He's left them to fend for themselves. They got a lot of space in that apartment. (laughs) In that L.A. It does apartment, seem, yeah, pretty yeah. roomy for sure. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, you um, can't have this in a studio apartment. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's a reason why you don't see many like haunted house movies and like millennial tiny homes. There's, there's yes. a reason. Yeah, you all have malignant style, uh, giant. Either McMansions or Victorian mansions. Yeah. yeah. I really like I really do hate the fact that the clear villain in this movie is the absentee father. Nothing bad happens to him. No. Uh, he's but fine. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyways, so yeah, you know, like, and, and some of the tropes they have fun with as far as like, you know, um, in the first two, it was always like a, a, a tape, a reel-to-reel mm-hmm. type player that is like reciting the Book of the Dead. Here, it's this, uh, the, the boy who you know, has this incredible turntable setup and, you know, he has, they have to like manually spin the mm-hmm. record player to get it to play at the correct speed, which is kind of a, a kind of a fun thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a cool thing. Yeah. And so then like hearing it spoken through there, which apparently that's where Bruce Campbell's where Bruce Campbell was, mm-hmm. yep. is hear him shouting, you know, don't read this. Mm-hmm. It's the book of the dead. But, uh, <laughs> aside from paying homage to the other movies in the franchise, you know, there's some clearly big inspirations, if not straight up ripoffs to other movies. The biggest one, obviously, with the elevator full of blood and the shine. Oh, yeah. shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, yeah, going back to motherhood and things like that. 
this woman rising up to protect a small, young, blonde-haired girl yep. reeks of, you know, short of hearing her say, get away from her, you you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's straight up aliens. It's aliens. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, you're How'd not you, the first person I heard then, yeah, I was gonna say to aliens. The, 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 yeah, and that's it's it's right there. Yeah. Um, so I I don't feel like a professor or anything like or investigator having dug deep to get there. But how did y'all feel like with those comparisons, especially like the Shining? Yeah, the Shining elevator thing was like super obvious. <laughs> but I, I love I love it when they have like excessive amounts of blood like that. Oh sure. Like, yeah. That's that's my jam. Have to have like. <laughs> A rain of blood, like in the 2013, like in the 2013 one, one, or yeah. yeah, the elevator full. That's awesome. Okay, one thing that did make me happy. So there's a scene where they show this cat that likes to get up into the um, air duct system, mm-hmm. and I and then like they show like Deadite Mom, you know Ellie noticing the cat meowing or scratching around up there, and like. You SOBs, are you going to end up <laughs> killing this cat? I hate that horror movie cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, Super happy the cat got away, <clears throat> but originally the director wanted to have her infect the cat and have the cat become a deadite. Which, oh, well, that I, would have been very Evil Dead too. It would have been like uh-huh. there is that scene where like the taxidermy like moose, moose head, head. Like, yeah, yeah, comes alive. Which, but it's like, well, then it's like, well, I don't like it when they hurt um, pets, especially cats, in, in movies. But at the same time, I do kind of want to see what a deadite cat would look like and how it would behave. <laughs> Like, would it talk in a human voice and taunt the characters? Oh. Or, like, what would it do? Because, like, all those all those deadite creatures are intelligent. I was and, say, yeah. do we, uh, are we looking for anything to top, you know, pet cemeteries, you know, <laughs> undead cat there? Right. I mean, I, I just feel like those undead cats were misunderstood. They just needed cuddles. <laughs> they needed love. Misunderstood. They just came back from the dead. If there's anything they, that you can take yeah. away from this, it's that the cats in pet cemetery were misunderstood. They were. <laughs> They, oh, they just needed, they needed a good home and no. cuddles and, yeah. you know. I mean, ultimately, though, to answer your question, though, I don't mind. I I mean, it's one of those things where it's like everyone is – things are very metatextual and mm-hmm. in, in their influences. And it's not – it's it's obvious, but it's not just straight stealing things and stuff like that. And so if it's incorporated in a way that I think is beneficial to the story, then I'm by all means, it's not that big of a deal. I was going to say, as far as like, yeah, the aliens comparison, I'm always for any sort of person rising up to protect Mm -hmm. a child. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah. Yeah. Aliens does not have like that corner of the market and therefore nobody else can. Yeah. True. True. And in the first film, alien, she protects a cat, so yep, that makes me happy. You know? <laughs> and you could also make the case that, like, Evil Dead started a lot of modern horror tropes as mm-hmm. well. So, like, it's kind of come full circle where it's coming those things. Like, the the five archetype going into the cabin in the woods kind of ca- right. actual cabin <laughs> in the woods style thing is pretty much – was that invented by Evil Dead? It was it's hard to definitely I, one of the main influences. I'm sure they yeah. took some from like Friday the Thirteenth as well. Yeah, but, um, but but yeah. Um, anything else we want to talk about? Well, the other thing is like you know, especially in a modern day horror, with and I, or maybe not necessarily like in modern day horror, just modern day sense, um, and where we are as kind of a culture. How do you feel about like when spirituality is represented in a movie, especially in a case like this, when it is so clear, like people are faced with like the gates of hell and demonic possession. It's like as far as like 
here's what the movie and its reality is. Yeah. Is it surprising? Like, I'm ju- I'm always just like, what if this, I mean, coming face to face with this, would, would, wouldn't some of these characters like walk away being like having a maybe come to Jesus moment or I, something like that? Yeah. 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 That's a good point. And I don't, I don't think they've ever like taken any of those like potentially religious or spiritual themes beyond just people being terrorized and they sure. yeah. and using it for the conventions yeah. of what they need to accomplish within yeah. this movie. And it's always but been yeah, a I've part never... of this. That would definitely be something that you would think. I mean, we don't see a lot of the <laughs> movies <true>. after <laughs> these types of movies necessarily, but, sure. but, At but yeah, it's with, like, I guess I'm going to start going to church again. I, just, or... yeah. it's like, I feel like if I'm, if I'm seeing that there, there is this side to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I didn't believe in either side, now that I've seen this side maybe there is another side but like there is a character in this movie who does have faith mm-hmm. uh, and says like I'd like to pray now That's um, right, over yeah. you know when they think the mom has died um, or is it just when she's sick uh, it's I, it, she appears to be dead okay yeah, I so, think yeah. think she's dead now that guy is certainly not saved physically by mm-hmm. any means. He mm-hmm. actually gets a death that pays again homage to a previous to entry a in the yes, franchise with the uh, his <laughs> eyeball, eyeball gets ball taken thing. out <laughs> and then spit into somebody else's mouth that then kills evil that person. Too. Yeah, Evil Dead too. <laughs> so I don't know if that's them just trying to be like, yeah, don't worry about spirituality. It's not going to save you <laughs> one way or the other. This is just the world it's in. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just find that yeah, kind of curious. Where it's like you like have to acknowledge it, but necessarily like don't necessarily go that much further with it. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I think that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, Let's do. But I want to know your guys' rankings, though. So who Uh, feels comfortable going first, Uh, or do you want me to go first? I mean, I I I I could go first. Okay. So for me, knowing that there's five entries now. Okay. Uh, and, and we're just going to stick to the movies, not Ash versus Evil yeah, Dead. Yeah, just the movies. Sure. So I would go Evil Dead 2. Okay. Uh, I would go Army of Darkness just because they're like, we've kind of figured this out. We know the character. This is what we want to do. Then I'd go Original Evil Dead for number three for me, followed by, I would say, Evil Dead Rise. Okay. And then the remake, uh, 2013, the 2013, is bringing up the rear for me. Okay. Mm. Yeah, this is challenging, and like sometimes my rankings change depending on the mood I'm in. Do I want humor? Do I want like really scary, disturbing mm-hmm. stuff? But yeah, pretty consistently, Evil Dead Two is also my number one pick. Then probably the original Evil Dead, probably the 2013 remake, then probably Army of Darkness, then Evil Dead Rise. Interesting. Okay. okay. Um, mine is. Similar, Evil Dead 2 is number one for me as well. Um, then I'd say the original Evil Dead is is there. Then the 2013. Then Evil Dead Rise. And then Army of Darkness is probably my last one. And that's just wow. because it, it's fun, but it's right. just not the jam I'm going for. I oh, also yeah. just want to shout out, well, or whatever you want to call it, Peter Jackson in this because mm. he rips wholesale things from all of these movies in future movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 have things that remind me of Brain Dead. Oh, absolutely. So much. And then also something that I, I, it's been a while since I've watched Army of Darkness, but there are, there are scenes in Army of Darkness that are in the Lord of the Rings movies (laughs) that are the, so there's a scene in Army of Darkness where uh, Ash is like trying to rile up the the crowd and I think one of the or the characters start to say like, "You'll have me and my sword and mm-hmm. my bow," <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they do the the same thing. And then yes. there's 
there the the final battle is very reminiscent of the Helm's Deep battle. And then the one that was really prevalent for me is Ash is making like the gunpowder and stuff like that. And this older character is walking towards him with this, uh, with, uh, fire or whatever. And he's like leaning in to see what it is. And Ash pushes him away so that he doesn't accidentally light the gunpowder on fire. And that is literally a shot for shot thing that happens in the two towers. When Saruman is building the little bomb thing that they end up using to blow up the, Helm's Deep wall. Funnily enough, I we are literally rewatching as a family the Two Towers right now. Yeah. Yes, so, so something uh, yeah. to look out for. Don't forget it's, the scene where Bilbo Baggins says, "Well, hello, Mister Fancy Pants." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway, sorry. To um, you. <laughs> well, no, I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated that uh, Army of Darkness ranks so low, but maybe it's not surprising that was my entry point. Like <laughs> that is that is the first one that I actually watched. Yeah. Um, and it also was kind of like a trickle-down effect of my brother and his friends' love for it. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, that, yeah, that's totally... F- I, interesting it's interesting takeaway. Definitely a movie that I enjoy. It's just in the grand scheme of the rest of the series. Sure. Um, that's what I would say. And you mentioned Peter Jackson's brain dead, another movie with major mommy issues. Yep. There you go. Shout out brain dead. If you can find it anywhere, I don't even know. I own a physical copy, but, but you can't find those old. Weirdly. I don't know if I can revisit that movie. That movie just, I think it, well, you know what? It might be on shutter now or something like that. Or I think I, maybe I watched it through like Amazon. Well, maybe it's somewhere now. Last time, or when I was looking for Depends it on. a while ago, it wasn't there, but I have mm. a physical copy now. But, um, but yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty much it for our evil dead discussion. Um, there's a few things coming out for our next film or our next episode. I mean, we have got the new guardians of the galaxy film. Um, there's, there's a, a new fast and the furious movie, the blackening, the black, <laughs> that looks ridiculous. That I does. I did see the trailer for that. <laughs> Um, I am I am a, unaware of this movie. It's like black comedy, but like a parody of oh, like Saw that's type movies. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. There's the new Little Mermaid movie. There's the new Spider Man. New Indiana Jones new, coming out. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a movie a called lot. Fool's Paradise that I'm kind of eager to see that comes out not too long. Um, but we'll have to discuss. Did you find so, what well, you were Well, here's the thing. For? It's like I had to remember its alternate title. Uh, Dead, Dead Alive. Alive. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's what most people might know it uh, yeah. stateside as. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm not still not finding it. Well, if anyone wants to see it, hit me up. I got a physical uh, copy. Yeah. You can come and watch <laughs> it at that's my That's a house. movie like, I, I saw um, once. It made me feel gross. It is That's fair. But it's, it's weird because like movie. I can easily rewatch any of the Evil Dead movies and well, be It's be gross, mm-hmm. not in just a violent, but like in just like a... Just... Icky, like, like the whole icky. It, yeah. falling into oh, the yeah, soup no, scene texturally, and then someone eats it's it. Like just, like, yeah. Into yeah. like pudding and, and stuff. The yeah. dinner scene, everything that happens there, he crams it all in in it's, so many ways. It's ridiculous. It's so it's really weird icky. to think of the direction he went. Um, but yeah, we'll, you'll just have to wait and see what our next film is going to be. But until then, we'll see you at the movies. This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding.